there. Welcome to Let's Talk, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be doing a review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, but before we get into that, we thought we'd do a little bit of general updates and housekeeping and stuff. Um, I'm Stu, of course, and Rory's with me. Are you okay, mate? I am, mate. Yeah. How's yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. 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 Been a good few days in the sun and doing all it's interesting things. starting to feel a little bit more summery, yeah. It's been yeah. good. Yeah. It has. And with it being summery, and like I say, we thought we'd do a little bit of housekeeping. So we, we, we're actually moving from our current um podcast provider like our hosting website to another one basically it's got a slightly better interface and it's going to be a little bit easier for us in the long run um it shouldn't really have any impact on on the episodes because everything as far as we know is pretty much um directed from twitter using the custom urls but as i mentioned on twitter before if you do notice any links that seem to not be working or they're pointing to the wrong place. If you just let either us or me know at small hands to you, um, and I can get that sorted out ASAP. You still have the best Twitter handle on on on, on the on the I social know, media. I, I did very I did come very very close to changing it and and going for like baby legged stew. It's not as effective. No. It it still makes me chuckle now. Whenever I've whenever I see the gifts, you know it's going to feel huge. It's I still saw something today, um, and someone was was champion championing Deadpool two over Deadpool one, which I think is sacrilege. That's crazy talk. I mean, I like Deadpool two, but no. How many I, times have time, you watched it? Deadpool one. Well, I watched it three times. In no, the I know cinema, you watched Deadpool one about a dozen I've times. Probably watched. Yeah, one I've probably watched about ten times, maybe up to a dozen. In all seriousness, two probably four or five tops. Really, that's generous. Yeah. You tend to re-watch a lot of the same things. I think I've only seen two once at the cinema, and that's it. And I probably watched one about seven or eight times. I'd say. I, I think I will go back to two, but I just don't know what it is. I did watch The Last Jedi for the first time since the cinema the other day. Um, but I watched it after The Force Awakens, which is a much better film. Yeah. Just admit. Yeah. Just just kind of, you know, just we, we, we occasionally talk about sequels being better than originals because you've got this kind of crazy theory that um, Age of Ultron is better than Avengers. Yeah. Assemble. Um, yeah. I watched Age I of Ultron again people, recently. And, and other people say Guardians 2 is better than Guardians 1, which I think is so the wrong call but i don't know why guardians 2 gets a bit of a bad rep it's strange yeah i i can understand that one i think it's very hard with the two guardians films because they are so (sighs) close for such different reasons yeah the first one is is, you know pure kind of i don't know it's 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 my go-to film probably marvel full stop so it's quite tricky but um second one's got a lot of a lot of laughs you know it's it's probably funnier as a rule um yeah but yeah, no, there's a few of these things banding around that people just, oh yeah, let's not get started on the Batman trilogy because again, people say all sorts of things about that Dark Knight trilogy because it's just let it's Let's just not open that can of worms. That's it's a whole different issue. Yeah, we could do a little bit of news because we're talking Marvel. Um, obviously, San Diego Comic-Con is mm. almost upon us or will be maybe when this is out. Um, another year, another 
non-attendance Another missed for opportunity. The fact that we only have about 12 listeners means it will never happen unless we suddenly... Unless each of those 12 gives us a £1,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then we, we can go in style. Benefactor. Yeah, we really could, actually. We need, like, a, a podcasting sugar daddy. Yeah, we, we, we do a good job of it. Like, g- genuinely, if we had the opportunity to do these properly, like, if you go back and listen to when we when we cared... Um, we used to do lots of good content and lots of production value and you know um, we even did research and agendas and had guests on now guests are something we would quite like to do but it is quite tricky at times just it's impossible because all busy. of our friends that we would have on have got lives and families I mean yeah, we exactly. do but it's easier to coordinate the two of us because it's only two isn't it because our, our squeeze, wives yeah. have accepted that they are podcast widows for the foreseeable future yeah, essentially, I, I yeah, my wife is a running and podcast widow. Um, but yeah, San Diego Comic Con is upon us. We're not there this year uh, for all those incredible Lego exclusives, which makes me sad. Um, to see Marvel's return to Hall H. Yes, Marvel is there. Ninety-minute slot. The Russo brothers are also there for a separate slot, talking about their production company and what they're doing. Um, there'll be a bit of a DC thing about Wonder Woman. Yeah. 1984, which I think will be quite cool. You probably get like a teaser trailer rather than an actual trailer at this stage, I think. Yeah, it's probably a bit early doors. Um, Guillermo del Toro is showing some stuff off. What's he got? It's not his film, but it's another horror film someone's done, and he's he's like a producer on it, but it seems pretty cool. But even then, still. Horror stuff there, because it too is there, quite pushing quite heavily. Um, Even just having him involved, though, is. Yeah, he's kind of. It's about yeah. as good a name as you can get, really, isn't it? And the yeah, fact that he's I'm attached to any project does it gives it a lot of gravitas, doesn't it? I'm still hopeful he'll come around and do some kind of obscure Marvel film when it works, or or a DC or something. Do you know what I mean? And I, I know you know he's just got so much. I don't know. Something like Swamp Thing would be cool for him. Oh, you know I mean? something practical effects show. where he could actually do. You know, do do a monster that yeah, would have been really cool. I, I could yeah. could have seen him doing a Hulk origin film as well if that ever came to pass. But, well, yeah, because Hulk um, has got some some real sort of horror vibes in there. But Swamp Thing's a shout and a half. I would kill to see that with like James yeah. Wan helping out because James Wan has done a brilliant job on the the Swamp Thing TV show. Yeah, I but think he's, he's getting Del Toro on board. Something like that oh. would be like god level sort of genius yeah i mean i think he would have done a well an interesting take on joker i don't think any joker stuff is coming out they're, they're really pitching this joker film there's a bit of news came out about it that it's really not comic based in, in any of its form so i'm I'm really wondering if they've just gone completely off script um I, i'm still beyond reserved about this i i just don't see how it's going to work it, it it seems no, so odd I mean, Wacky Phoenix is just Wacky Phoenix. You know, I, I love the Wacky word. Phoenix. He, he's he's known to be. He, he can be a little bit out there, but he does do some incredible stuff. But it, it's just, I'm not sure. Um, I think he, he'd, a lot he'd be a great stuff. piece of casting. I just wish it was in a slightly more connected, mainstream kind of way, rather than this thing where they've said it basically takes place in its own little universe. Yeah, and it just seems a really odd way of doing it. But hey, that's the uh, the DC... That's the current DC that we've got, um, mm. but it is it's there's a gonna it's gonna be quite Marvel heavy. Um, I've I've heard already that 
um, you know, the Black Widow film is in production yeah. already. And already they've officially shooting, started work on Thor 4 as of like well, yesterday. Yeah, so again, I think that's just come out as a pre-San Diego Comic-Con yeah. kind of leak. Do you know more than anything else? Like a, almost, you know, what happens in, in Hollywood and these things is they trickle things out. Maybe it's purposeful just to get a little bit more hype because Marvel always have a great habit of doing that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's and only Tyke, at the writing Tyke stage, is isn't it? It's literally yeah, Tyke has that... confirmed. It's pushed his Akira film back again, which has been one of those films he's had like the rights to for probably four years and it yeah. just keeps getting banded around. Um, but it's 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 difficult material to get made, Akira. Um, and it's anyway. one of those things, isn't it? Because it's such a purist thing. If it gets made badly, it'll bomb. So I'm sure yeah. he understands he's got to wait. He'd rather wait 10 years and have it be good than hurry it out now and have it be universally hit. Yeah, he's working on something called Jojo Rabbit at the minute, which he plays Hitler. <laughs> And only Tiger could ever okay. do something like that. Um, did you ever see what we do in the shadows, which is the New Zealand film we did a few years ago? Uh... You might like the humour in it. It's got like werewolves and vampires, and they it's like a mockumentary style. No, really but I will funny. watch it. I watched that other Tiger good. film that you told me about. Yeah, just the dog scene upset you greatly. Well, but I, I was able to stand the uh, the dog scene in the first John Wick film. So, oh, you've you've seen the first John Wick film? Oh, if you can yeah. get through that, you can get through. You can get through. Um, oh, Tyker's, me and me and yeah. Michelle are going to start watching the John Wick the films. But she now she said to me, "Well, how bad's the scene with the dog?" Because she's heard from people what it's like. Can you it's describe like, it to me? It's not like brutal. It's horrible because of the noises and whatnot. But it's not. It's not like if you don't see a dog being decapitated or anything quite well, they had like. all that stuff in chernobyl that was hard enough some of these things are so real yeah. um i don't know why why it came to me uh you mentioned chernobyl um emmys have just been nominated like game of thrones is up for 32 <laughs> yeah which of course has boiled all the piss again yes which is quite funny and the uh whatever the 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 writers are called um they've been up for best writing award which is hilarious as well because people hate that um i did like the fact that gwendoline chris gwendoline what's christy. Her name? christy i got it right briefly uh she wasn't nominated by game of thrones or put forward by game of thrones as a show but she nominated herself self-nominated her and what? she got She's up for one, which, yeah, I think maybe they've only got so many they can put forward. I or think, I d- yeah, I, I think that's know. it. And obviously they've got to put forward Kit Harrington and... Um, I think the one who's nailed so, uh, on, I reckon, to win Amelia would Clark. be um, Alfie... Alfie... Alfie Allen? Yes, Alfie Allen. I think he'll win. I, I, I don't know if he's won one before... I think he's likely to win. Not it won't be a lead one. It'll be like best supporting, whatever. Mm. Um, but there's some good things in in uh, good things nominated. Um, Killer Eve's been nominated for everything. Jodie Comer's uh, Jodie Comer, Sandra O, oh, and the show itself. And I think the writers have all been nominated. So I'd yeah, like I'd like to see Mah- that win. Mahershala Ali is nominated um, along with a couple of people from Chernobyl for the. His his for obviously True Detective season three, yeah. um, which we which would, would again be a very very worthy winner. I don't know if Stephen Dorff was up for one, but I really hope he was because he was as every bit as good in that series as Mahashala. But anyway, um, yeah, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of stuff kind of going on, but I think Marvel are gonna 
launch big into the Eternals and launch big into Black Widow. Um, I wouldn't be surprised Thor if we didn't get probably... some um, official extra casting news from the Eternals. There must be. Because um, we already know I, some of the names. They're desperate like to get Keanu on something, but I think Keanu might sneak into Guardians 3. Um, I can't remember what the character is called. He's got like a horse-like face. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, there was someone talking about it, unless it's just voiced by Keanu, but um, they are going to do some interesting things, I think, with Guardians 3 now James Gunn's involved. And there's some characters... You know, I was listening to Kevin Feige was talking about Spider-Man, but um, he keeps talking about other characters and stuff they've got in the pipeline. The guy is like a hundred steps ahead of everyone else. Oh, Do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, like he'll have known that how he's going to look at using X-Men and, and Fantastic Four. He'll know all of this. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we'll see them until very late in this phase, if at all. Um but, you know, they say, oh, you know, audiences, uh, they're not saying audiences will dry up, but they're saying, you know, the crescendo, the biggest point is is Avengers Endgame. So, you know, how are you going to top it from there? But they, they, their plan isn't, it's long-termism, isn't it? So they're going to yeah. do a Doctor Strange 2. They're going to focus more on Captain Marvel. and Black They Panther. are the ultimate long-term thinkers. And like you say, he, yeah. he will have been thinking about the X-Men way back in, like, Age of Ultron when they introduced... Um, uh, Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver, he will have been thinking, well, we can't yet call them mutants, but, you know, in the future we'll be able to and stuff like that. The guy thinks he's not even two steps ahead. He's thinking while other people haven't even got the pieces on the board yet. He's, yeah. He's, he's and, in and, a whole And I think we've said all along, it's, it's, he's the, he's, as much as anyone else, he's the key difference in this he whole is DC the Marvel. MCU. You know, even even let's be honest, let's take Star Wars into the equation because, you know, and Disney properties in, in general, obviously Pixar, I think, have always been ahead of the game as well because they yeah. were always kind of forward thinking. They were always producing things that people just never you know thought and, and they were the reality. technical innovators they they did a style yeah. of animation that nobody else was even yeah i, I kind of got switched on studio ghibli i love like who do like Coraline and um kubo and the two strings and more recently they did i can't remember what it's called so it'll come back to me um but they do they do stop motion so they do some really intricate really clever work um with animation that way and so there are a few studios that do really good stuff but pixar just obviously elevate it and you know inside out did something like 1.2 billion or something and it's not at all a conventional film it's a wonderful film it's a glorious film but it's not it's not toy it's story a bit off the wall yeah it's it's you know it's just about emotions and it's a brand new property and to get that that many people and it's quite you know, heavy in parts isn't it yeah, well, it is. And kids are, you know, it, why they're so good Pixar. I, have you seen Coco? No. no. Coco might yeah, might shed a little tear at that as well. But um, but they, they what they do so well is they get kids in touch with their emotions a way that no one else can really do. Do you know what I mean? And they tell stories that no other studios can, can do, except maybe Marvel in, in their different way. But um, but those two, you know, obviously they're both Disney properties. Um but Marvel and, and Pixar are just so streets ahead of the game. And obviously, it's forced others to kind of up their game. Disney's main studio obviously started doing things like Moana and Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph and Big Hero 6, which is cool, um, and stuff like that. So they 
all up their game and, and and obviously Universal kind of followed suit and and it's it's good for the it's good for cinema goers you know it's it's good for the industry but it's meant that those that aren't quite on it have just been found out a little bit and I think Star Wars has struggled a little bit to find its feet in this new Disney world but I think that might change once they get away from the Skywalker stories a little bit as much as that'll be a closing of a chapter and a, a big deal that I think once they've got a little bit of new fresh ideas to work with that'll, that'll help them quite a lot um, I'd be surprised if that was the kind of thing that sort of stopped them in their tracks they always find a way around it don't they yeah because the Mandalorians and again another John Favreau thing God, did you see um, the budget 15 million dollars per episode yeah I mean and, and they really like have to get it right million dollars for the whole season and when you look at, I'll be honest, when you look at, so my little boy's obsessed with Disney because Disney World in because particular, Disney, you know, that's it. because it's just Disney, but like everything ties in, but obviously they've got Star Wars land now where you can go and ride oh, the Millennium Falcon. And we, stuff. We've got family over in California <laughs> and, and they've been, and I've got a mate of mine who lives that close. He's one of them. He, everyone who lives in in California, you can get these resident yeah, passes. And it can Anaheim, be like, yeah, the California I've, pass. I've finished yeah, work. Yeah. I'm just going to go to Disneyland for an hour. <laughs> and he does. He, he does. When we were there, he said, "Oh, you should have said that you were there, and I would have come down to meet you." Just, it's mad, isn't it? Imagine yeah. that. Um, oh, I can't. But, it makes me sick thinking that I could just be like, "Yeah, I'm just going to go and sit on the Millennium Falcon for lunch." <laughs> just have a meal deal while yeah. you're riding Millennium Falcon. Big Mac, Millennium Falcon, milkshake. Everyone's happy. It sounds like the dream, man. Yeah. It sounds like the dream. Um, but all this stuff kind of ties in. You know, all the Star Wars stuff just ties in with their IP. You know, it's all about... It, 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 people will never forget the first time they watched, you know, Empire Strikes Back or whatever it would be. Do you know what I mean? Or the, you know, it's it's those moments and that's what they're living on. Whereas I think with Marvel, everyone knows these characters, but what they've, what they've done is they've delivered characters that were probably lesser known ips you know iron man wasn't ever huge huge i mean the dc comics were always the bigger of the of the commercial side of things weren't they you know yeah. batman was always what streets this, had this is what else. everyone says when I, in in the future when people critically analyze the mcu which which will happen the one thing that everyone needs to remember is before this happened iron man captain america thor were all considered they're to be just, B-list characters. The, well, they're the, working the with A-listers. what they've got. Like, the A-listers were the X-Men, Silver and, and Surfer, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. It was X-Men. Yeah. All, all the stuff that they sold off, and that was why they sold them off, because Marvel Studios was exactly. moments away from bankruptcy, and they had to raise some money. So they got rid of what they considered to be their best stuff, because they had no idea what to do with it. And that's what makes it all the more incredible. And now you think, well, hang on. It's the biggest franchise of all time. It's like nothing we've ever seen. And now they're getting their best IP back. And it's, they are. But then people are saying, oh, well, you know, oh, everyone's going to get sick of it. They won't. Because wait, wait until you see an MCU X-Men. It's going to just take your head clean off oh, your shoulders. I cannot wait for that to happen. With, with I, what I, Kevin I'm... Feige's overseen with characters like Doctor Strange and Ant-Man, the people that you wouldn't necessarily think would make sense. What's he going to do with someone like, you know, Wolverine? The, yeah, the character exactly. that I you mean, absolutely Wolverine, adore. Wolverine has, has thankfully been kind of lovingly portrayed and, and really well portrayed, obviously, um, by Hugh Jackman this whole time. And Logan in particular. 
James Mangold's kind of masterpiece as, that it is that we talked about. Oh, it, length. masterpiece is the word. Yeah, it's that that film is 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 exactly what we would want. You know, it's it's an incredible film. Um, it's not a conventional comic book film by by any stretch, and that's kind of maybe why it stands out a little bit. But it, it's it's the fact that they've got all those characters and they can do what they want with them. And I mean, DC have got them. They've got this big arsenal. Warner Brothers have got access to everyone. It's just that they just don't necessarily know how to use them, you know? Um, and that's the sad thing about it. But I, I think we, we've been positive with Aquaman and, and, and Wonder Woman, obviously, and, and the kind of direction they're going in. Um, I'm still hoping the Flash film completely crashes and they replace and we can just all move on with our lives do you know what I mean yeah but, um, it's just one of those chapters that you hope is over quickly and painlessly and well it's been such a mess I haven't even got it into production yet for Christ's mm. sake and it was supposed to be on the wall by you know it was probably supposed to be I think it was supposed to be production. out next year or something originally and I think sometimes that's the difference I think um and I'm not just saying DC it's, it's a lot of studios do this and, and, and again this is it's the film industry whereas you, you know, you've got people who've got rights to scripts and they're going to start this thing. Um, it's quite famous. I can't remember his name, you know, horror director who did the Nun and some of the Conjuring stuff, probably linked into James Wan and whatnot. And, and he, he's got the, he had the rights to the crow and he was going to remake the crow. Um, and it's fallen through like three times and, and they were almost at filming stage once. And that's what happens. You know, someone pulls the plug. So it's it, obviously Netflix maybe helped that a little bit now, you know, all these streaming sites yeah. give people, you know, access to make these films and make their own because they've got money. <laughs> Whereas some of the studios just don't think it's worth the risk. Um, but what Marvel do is they stick to this very quite strict timeline, but they give all their script writers and production teams and everyone enough time. I mean, I have read and listened to a couple of people uh, on Twitter, one that works on the VH, uh, the, the video effects kind of company that worked on Spider-Man Far From Home and Jesus Christ, it was to the wire as it would be probably the same with like, the way games, do you know, you know, way Rockstar classically, um, you know, finish games off in the 11th hour. Do you know what I mean? I think that is what happens with the, video effects for these films because they're so complicated especially when we talk about spider-man in that one crazy sequence in berlin um which we will do um but it's you know that marvel have a timeline kevin feige has a timeline he, he works towards and it and it and it works you know things might be in production for a while i know the captain marvel script and, and black panther and stuff was was in the works for a lot of years i would imagine dr strange's Two has been in the work since the first one came out. Yeah, but they were patient enough to wait until it's the right moment, and they'll probably have a script ready. But then they'll go, "Well, this is what's happening. You've got to work your script a little bit around these events." But then watch this film, speak to that director, you know. And it's just a it feels organic and natural, which is quite hard to do in such a multi-billion-dollar industry. So. Yeah, I think we always talk about Marvel. We haven't for a while since Endgame, but we haven't talked like this for a while because Endgame was just all-encompassing, wasn't it? It was yeah. just the the big event. But I think going forward, there'll be a lot happening with Marvel and they'll just keep pushing boundaries, really. And this film is interesting because as much as it's... So we'll talk about Spider-Man. As much as it's Marvel uh, Studios, it's not Disney, it's it's Sony. And I think... They've they've got a really good working relationship. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, they they've set a 
a really good example for how these things can be done. And you'd like to think that in an ideal world, they could use this as a template for getting a Hulk solo film, because I forget who it is that owns the rights. Universal. Universal, that's it. And Mark Ruffalo famously once said about it, there will never be a Hulk solo film because Universal... They don't even want to make one. They 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 don't want to make one. He said, well, because they don't know how to play with others and they don't like money. And and that's exactly what it is. With with Spider-Man, Sony have accepted. Yes, we've bought him. They know what to do better. We can do minimal effort and make money off it. Why why would we not do this? Yeah, because because uh, Disney have gone. We'll lend you Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> we'll yeah. lend you Samuel L. Jackson, and it's like, yeah, that's gonna work for us. And and they've also gone. Well, if you boost yours, you know, Spider Man, we'll, we'll we'll lend you Kevin Feige. Is essentially the biggest thing they've given them. Where they've gone, right? We'll give you the best producer, exec producer, whatever it would be, in the world, and. And he will help you make these incredible films, basically. Um, and he'll also help you launch your own solo stuff, like Venom and yeah. Morbius, the living vampire. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. But they but in in lots of other good ways, you know, it's it's Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which I mean, obviously they got the right people involved. Um, Sony on this occasion and Sony animations and stuff, but that's just given them a whole license, you know, because Spider-Man's been boosted into the forefront again. And I think after the kind of underwhelming Amazing Spider-Man, especially the second one, they did need a full reboot, you know, full reset button, basically, because Spider-Man is, is pop culture. It's it's a huge part of what we all know and love. But unless it's done right, people are going to soon forget about him, you know? Yeah, well, it, it's like we've said in the past about Superman, isn't it, when... When it's been around for that long, it's got to be done properly, otherwise people will very, very quickly switch off from it. Yeah. So yeah, we we should really turn around and and actually talk about you know Far From Home <laughs> specifics, which, yeah. which is what. So yeah, this 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 is in a bit of an odd position because for so long now we've been we've been entrenched in what we now call the Infinity Saga, haven't we? We've had Phase One, Two, and Three. It's all been be building up to these huge universal events. And now this is technically like the bookmark. I think that's what they've referred to as. It's the bookmark at the end of phase three and like the the prelude to, to phase four. And it was, it was never going to be a real heavy hit or was it coming off the back of Endgame? Because everyone really is emotionally battered by the yes. events of Endgame. And everybody needed a little bit of time to... Well, it's, I think the process. film plays into that emotional hangover of, of, of Endgame, basically. I mean, they, they make such light of it in the school kind of, you know... TV yeah, when they call it the blip. And they have the Getty Images pictures and stuff like that with the logo print still on. And what do they? What song do they play? Um, oh, Christ, I can't remember what song they play, but it's some cheesy... It's, I was going to say, it's some. It's like a cheesy ballad or something. Yeah, it's a cheesy ballad of some description. But, um, you know, what what they do so well at the start of the film is they just kind of... They, they do hit the reset button, like we said. They make you... They take you straight out of Endgame. They explain kind of what happened um, in a really humorous way. <laughs> the guy's really pissed off that he's got to go back six months in the year as well as <laughs> being gone for yeah. five years. Um, and all the wiener kids in his class are all of a sudden now five years older and huge and 
really muckly yeah, exactly. play football. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really kind of well played out from the beginning, but and I think like Ant-Man and the Wasp, like you said, it has to come off the back of, of the big film, you know, the big Marvel event film. And it's hard to do that. It is hard to do that. Um, I think we'll get into, you know, feelings about it. But obviously, you know, Tom Holland in this is carrying all the emotional baggage from, from, from you know, Tony's death. And, you know, this is, we've, we've covered Endgame in detail. So this is very much far from home for spoiler. If we, we mentioned at the beginning, we're going to talk about things in detail. But, you know, for him... And and uh, it's been pointed out to me that I didn't realise he's literally carrying, you know, Tony's baggage and Uncle Ben's suitcase with him yeah. to Europe, um, as a kind of very heavy-handed I, metaphor. I think it, I think it's got a, a BP BP um, logo or something on on it when he's yeah. packing it. And it's it's you know he he just wants to get away basically, he's, and he needs it, doesn't he? Because he's he's had a long what probably 12 18 months he's gone from being the 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 little spider guy that nobody's ever heard of to being the friendly neighborhood spider-man in homecoming to yeah. now going to space fighting aliens and dying and then coming back minutes later and seeing the second biggest male influence of his life die and he's had a hell of a year for like a 16 year old kid yeah they do they do keep trying to reiterate the fact that he's very young and and they they play it out obviously extremely well tom holland is he's 22 but he, he basically looks like a 16 year old yeah. to be perfectly honest and he acts like um, a 16 year old as well which is even yeah, better he, he acts it really well and, and like you said in homecoming it's very much uh you know queens you know it's very much his his neighborhood his borough um he's 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 in the same you know sandwich shop every every day he's living the same routine the same life he's very bored and he's aspiring to become an avenger that like he's desperate to get yeah. stuck in you know uh, even even the suit which has got the training training wheels protocol yeah. on it or whatever it's called <laughs> um, all of that kind of stuff is 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 him being tested and he goes through that whole film basically just trying to aspiring to be more and and in endgame he he's uh, or is it Infinity War? It's Infinity War where he's, he's kind of fake knighted by Tony and yeah, it's when they're on the ship, kid, you're, you're an Avenger, um, and it leans into all of that stuff that he's he's gone. The whole world has has been thrown upside down, really. But when he's dropped back in college, it's it's like he's never left. Do you know what I mean? So he needs yeah. he's had all that's gone on, and and then he needs something to to basically take his mind off it because it's it's not easy and it's it's the whole classic spider-man burden you know and what they what they have done so really well in these two films i must admit is they haven't repeated anything you know they haven't gone back over the old ground from the spider-man movies you know what we're in eight films into a spider-man obviously spider-verse as well um and they're not covering the same ground they're not saying great um power comes great responsibility they're not doing the uncle ben stuff I was just they're, gonna not say, doing... they're not they're not leaning on the uncle ben thing which is really no good. and they're not doing the origin stuff how he got bitten how it happened do you know what i mean they, they, they're basically trying to move away from that same with the villains as well obviously they're not trying to use villains that we we know and, and obviously in some cases love um and not ruin them but just not not play the same 
tune again, you know, and and that's that's hard to do. And and somewhat that leads me to being a little bit like I miss some of the early Spider-Man stuff and the New York stuff. But in my head, I've got to wrestle with the fact that they've got to move on. Do you know what I mean? They needed to do something. And obviously going to Europe is is taking Spider-Man completely out of his comfort zone. You know, it's it's so far removed from New York. And the first one was almost so far removed from New York as well, in a sense, because it, you know, there's even those sequences where he's he's on the golf course or in the back gardens and nothing to swing on to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Or when you compare that to the big high, you know, skyscrapers and stuff in New York City and and the, the kind of sequences we're used to, it's such a different it's such a different Spider-Man, really. Um, so it, I think for me that's the adjustment point, and that's what I've had to get my head around. Um, because I didn't know what to make of this film coming into it. We said the trailers were a little bit underwhelming, except maybe the final one that showed a bit more of Mysterio. Um, and I mean, Mysterio is the game changer in this film, yeah. I, would, I must admit. So, I mean, the, the basic premise is, like we said, setting him up for a, he needs a holiday, he needs a break, and he's trying to get away, not take his suit, um, which I love you see that shot of his bedroom, and he's got this kind of glowing chargeable suit in the corner in this high-tech system it's just like no i'm not taking the suit and obviously you know aunt may still packs aunt may packs his suit. the way you do <laughs> it like clean undies passport <laughs> spider-man suit it's just on, only the um, essentials exactly and his, his school trip all the people he obviously ned um there's some great sequences. Martin Starr, his 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 teacher, plays his teacher, who's just brilliant again. Um, you know, of he's course, just disgruntled, run-down teacher. Ned, who falls in love on the flight after deciding he was going to be the bachelor's in Europe. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which is quite funny. Um, but do that whole sequence. Do you recognise the, the girl that plays Betty Brandt? Uh, no, hit me. Have you seen the latest series of Black Mirror? I've seen not every episode, actually. Have you seen the Miley Cyrus one? Yes, I have. Yeah, she's in that. Is she the younger one in that? Yeah, she's the young girl who's obsessed with the the singer that Miley Cyrus plays. She's also in a film called The Nice Guys, then, which I really like, which is uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling kind of body cop film, which I really love. Um, interesting. She's good as well. Um, but her and Ned have that. Obviously, there's you know Peter wants to be close to MJ. Um, the whole perfume allergy sequence is is really funny on the plane. Um, and the the practical kind of humor in this film is is really good. I don't think we got quite enough of it at times, but with with him and Ned together, it's always great. And and Ned is still probably one of the best things about these films. You know, along with I'd say, you know, we said Mysterio, but MJ Zendaya is probably the other MVP in this. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Off the back of this, I've started watching the the HBO show that she's out. been. It's very good. You can see why why it's getting. I mean, it's not. It's getting very good reviews, but it's also getting criticised because she's oh, gone bold. from this to being in quite a racy show. Yes, but I it's think very sexy, druggy. There's a lot of. Swearing I heard it's in like it. Skins 2.0 kind Basically, of thing. Basically, yeah, like... it's like American Skins. I mean, she. She hasn't done anything like overly raunchy, but there's very graphic drug use and the language is appalling, which obviously for me is right up my street. Yes. But with it to, being To you, HBO, it probably sounds clean. Yeah, it's basically... I, I hear it and it's like, oh, gee, golly gosh. Yeah, it's Where like it really, It's just like, beep. Just, 
the sensors are just sitting there with the finger on the button going, yeah, it's just safe yeah, for this none way. None of this. None of this is safe. Yeah. Um, it's HBO, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So they, they're pushing a few boundaries lately. Oh, yeah, you see what um, they let go with bloody Game of Thrones with all the, the violence. I mean, how many times did they drop C-bombs in Game of Thrones, especially with the Hound <laughs> and the gratuitous sex and, you know, the whole incest they, vibes? I think and... they know what they know what the current climate demands. Let's put it that way. Swearing they, and incest. <laughs> Dragons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if a dragon shows up in Euphoria, which you wouldn't put it past anyone, it's going to be drug related, so they could actually get away with it. They Dro- probably could. Drogon yeah. flies overhead. Like what? Yeah, that's where Drogon's been. That's yeah. tracked him down. That he's still um, carrying Daenerys's crusty rotten body now. Oh Jesus. Um, but yeah, like we said, I mean, Zendaya was was kind of the uh, probably the real MVP in the whole film actually because. Unfortunately for some of the other characters, like we didn't get enough of Aunt May again. She kind of was underused, um, which I thought was a little bit disappointing because there was just that hint, wasn't the river and happy, and then the stuff at the end of. But then happy wasn't underused really. I thought uh, John Favreau was great in this film. It was nice to see him get. I, I really like the fact they used him. Yeah, because again, it it linked it it really lent on the. The emotion, didn't it? Because he he's probably the only person that really understands. He, he what had he'd probably feeling. the most emotional moment in Endgame in a lot of ways because oh of the cheeseburger scene. thing. Yeah, I mean that's just that just broke me. It really did. Um, or one off anyway, because like you said, he's been there for, since the start. Obviously, John Favreau is 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 so closely tied in with with Marvel from from day one, really. Um, and it was it's like we said with these films, what they do so well is they use the experience. And, and it's the same in Ant-Man. They've got Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. Obviously, um, these films, they, they've used Robert Downey Jr. Um, they've used Samuel L. Jackson, obviously, in this. Well, Samuel L. Jackson in disguise. Yeah, kind of in inverted you know. commas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Nick Fury uh, without his Australian accent, <laughs> which we'll come on to talk about later. And... You know, it's it's smart, but obviously John Favreau is a big part of that. You're bringing in someone who's very established, um, and it and it helps the character. And they had a couple of good moments together. Obviously, sequence when he's developing this new suit and the lines where he's saying, "Look, you know, what Tony created or what Iron Man became wasn't who you think he was, wasn't he?" he was saying that that the public image of Iron Man is different to what Tony ever was. Yeah, and, you know, you're you can't be the next Iron Man, you can only be the next you, and those kind of things. Uh, you know, I don't know line for line, because I've only seen it once, but that sequence, when it slowed down and took a slightly backward step before the London, you know, major scene, it, it was great, actually, and, and the, those two together worked pretty well, I thought. It was it was, it was was a good kind of interesting relationship, and obviously he's trying to knock off with his aunt so yeah. that's slightly awkward but uh, but it did you know their relationship is, is is good um and you know i think the the beginning of the film is is quite euro trip let's be honest and it does fall into a few of the traits like that dutch who football hooligans and then random village with all the tulips and the windmills and the goats and stuff i was just like what the hell have they painted this is it's like you know some backwards part of europe that doesn't really exist anymore but you know there was a little bit of that um a little bit of playing up to the kind of typical european english stereotype stuff but that's kind of classic american tropes it, it happens i'm all right with that um 
but a lot of the, the trip was a kind of road movie and until the, the Mysterio art kicked in, which probably wasn't straight away. I know it happened briefly in Venice, but you know, until Mysterio until we got that reveal sequence, I think that's when the movie kind of kicked in. Let's put it that way, because yeah. Jake, Jake was just, you know, was everything that was great in this film. I would say, to be honest, because he's perfectly cast, but it's such clever use of the character of Mysterio because it was hard for them to bring Mysterio to life. I would say, and the way they did it in this. Uh, was just genius for me. It, it was so clever the way they brought in. So he's the engineer that created the the Bars. BARF technology. Um, the engineer that was working with them was in the first Iron Man film, um, and he was the yeah, one who helped. He was the actual actor the, and the right guy. So yeah, and he was the one who helped Obadiah Stane with the uh, the Iron Monger suit and little things like that. Is that they're almost becoming classic MCU tropes, aren't they? For yes. being able to weave things together that never in a million years would they have planned we're going to feature this guy again. But it's lovely that they're able to go back and just a little tiny thread back to the uh, the first Iron Man film. Just a little tip of the hat. And yeah, it, it, that was one of the things that we'd said in the build-up to it. We were curious to see how they were going to bring it in. Because it was it was loosely based on on Mysterio's introduction in the comics, yeah. where he long story short, I think it was a series of bank robberies or something, and he tried to pin it all on on Spider Man, with the the aim being, oh, I'll stop Spider Man, and then I'm the hero. <laughs> and it, it was obviously along those lines, mass manipulation of people and huge deception and then of course the the bombshell at the end which we will talk about a little bit later on yeah but yeah as you've said jake jake gyllenhaal's casting was a wonderful wonderful piece of casting and it looks like it's going to be as big as tom hiddleston was and michael b jordan and you know it it looks like it's just going to be another one of them that you're just going to say they they just absolutely nailed it they just got it right the thing with jake is is and I can call him Jake because we're on the first name basis. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? Well, you play um, golf, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing with him is he, he does that great thing where he's on the edge of a breakdown quite well. So, I mean, he, he's become probably one of the best established actors of our generation, really. I don't know if you've ever seen Prisoners. Uh, it's a Denny Villeneuve film from a few no. years ago. Um He's brilliant in that. Hugh Jackman's in it as well. It's really quite dark and, and quite twisted. But, you know, Jake probably gives his best. That's probably his breakthrough performance. And then he did Nightcrawler, um, which he's such a weird bastard in. And yeah, Nightcrawler's back, brilliant. Like, Zodiac's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, Zodiac, of course. Where he's a little bit more fresh-faced. He's, he's the one not being the mad conspiracy theorist. But he, but as the film he, goes on, he, he breaks down more and more, yeah. doesn't he? And you can see he's right on the edge of just completely losing his marbles. Yeah, he's, and he's done some in, incredible work over the years. Obviously, going back to Donnie Darko, and you look through Nocturnal Animals as well as a really, really good film. But he's, he's, he's had some quite good variety in his work. He's never really done... 
End of Watch is a good, good film as well. Um, it's a David, what's his face before he went off the rails? Um, David Eyre film before he went and made Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. And, but before that, he made some really good films, including that, um, with our good friend, Michael Pena. Uh, in ah, it. it's kind of a, yeah. Um, or Mikey P. Uh, and I must admit, Luis is still the number one MVP for the for the like the, whole the side characters. You know, like the side characters at yeah. you know, Marvel. I did, there's some good ones in this. They they really do bring some kind of good secondary characters into the mix. Like we said earlier on about the teacher and some various others. But um, but yeah, I mean, Jake Hall casting in this is is smart. The guy's not fully invested in the MCU like a lot of you know the actors that come into it. He wasn't signing up for an eight movie deal. It no. wasn't going to be a game changer necessarily. But when he's there, he gives it absolutely everything he has. Do you know what I mean? Because the guy, I mean, the guy is oozes like class. Do you well, know? He's, he's, he's such he's a, a cool A-lister, guy. Isn't he? There's no no denying it. The we we've said in the past they do have a tendency to cast people who aren't exactly at the very, very top of their game, but are maybe just about to cross over into that territory. Yeah. But when they get someone like Jake Gyllenhaal now at this point in his career, they're saying, yeah, we, we, we don't need him to be in, like you say, in a 10 film deal. We only need him to be in for this one thing to help usher in this next phase of the MCU. And, and the and thing is, with it, like you said, it's ushering in the next phase of Spider-Man, of maybe the MCU, of that New York, you know, we'll talk about it, of, of maybe the New York heroes, if they focus a bit yeah. on that, you, of the Earth property, if we can say that. Do you know what I mean? Because there'll be a lot in space. Well, um, we, we already know that they, they've already confirmed that Phase 4 is going to be a lot more cosmic-y. Exactly. So Doctor Strange, uh, Eternals, uh, Guardians. Guardians 3, uh, the introduction yeah, Thor, of Adam Strange. Thor uh, 4. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that element of it, but I think with the with the stuff in it's a bit more grounded, you know what I mean? The Spider-Mans, maybe the, the Avengers, if they bring it back, maybe Captain Marvel might intermix. I, I don't know what way they're going to go about it. Um, but he he's now pretty much going to be at the forefront, isn't he, with Black Panther of the yeah of the more the slightly more ordinary characters. Exactly, exactly, and it'll be interesting how they develop that. But obviously, kickstarting some maybe Sinister Six kind of future goings on. Do you know what I mean? And, and whatnot. Mysterio was a great choice. And, and I mean, the way they, they used that character and the way they got Jake to do the kind of bait and switch was really clever. Cause I think we all knew he was going to turn. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Mysterio as a villain. You can't, a- can't anyone expect... who knows anything about the character knew at some point he was going to reveal his master plan and it was going to be something horrendously evil it was just a case of what exactly is his end point and how does he get there and and even you know just fast forwarding briefly we won't cover it yet but you know he gets the last laugh he, he twists the knife do you know what i mean and, and that's all the plan all along is to kind of create a little bit of anarchy it, it's and one of those few of examples moments, where the yeah. bad guy even though he died the bad guy has won because he's completely yeah. sullied the name of spider-man now and I, I think obviously the Joker situation is slightly different, but there's elements, of, there's a little bit of an element of the Ledger stuff where it's kind of the, you know, leaving your mark despite not winning situation. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? It, it's I, just unleashing that element of chaos, isn't it? The Joker yeah. didn't win, 
but what he unleashed had huge consequences and it will definitely be the same now because now we've got this 16 year old kid emotionally battered he's going through a period in his life that he's never had anything close to it before and now it's just been dialed up to 11 and it's going to get even more dangerous even more emotionally taxing for him and you can only see this as being, to me, a perfect way of ushering in the new phase for for the MCU and for Spider-Man. And it, yeah. it's just such a clever piece of casting to have done that. They they probably could have got somebody in who was a little bit cheaper, couldn't they? But maybe wouldn't have had that gravitas and that swagger to the role. I, I think, like you said, it's the swagger. He's effortlessly cool, but the the, the scenes for me that, that make him, I mean, it wasn't even the, the really like towards the end sequences. It was the, it was the, the section in the bar when he's kind of, he's like the ringmaster. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. he's talking through. It's like, we are Tony all screwed him over. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like Tony screwed us over for this reason. And I gave him this piece of tech and, and this, that and the other. And now we're going to get a revenge. But the biggest one I think is the sequence where, He's fighting the second kind of, uh, is it, is, is Prague, is it the second, uh, is it the fire, the molten? Yeah, the, the molten man looking guy was in yeah. uh, Prague at the fun fair. Yeah, so the Venice one is obviously where Peter lands with his, uh, and, and he kind of sneaks off. He's got no suit at that point. He's not been given the night monkey suit. Um, <laughs> night which, monkey. <laughs> which is genius. <laughs> Um, he's not been given that suit, which is a really cool suit. I must admit, that well, stealth suit is. Tom really, Holland really cool. said that his favourite out of all the the uh, the suits because it's so different. I and do I, like I, the suit that he creates, though. It's quite that red and black, one, which is just yeah. pure um, Steve Ditko. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I thought that it was just great. looks so sleek, and like you mentioned, the scene where he's designing it is yeah. just. It, it harks back to Tony the first time he makes the, I think, is it the yeah. Mark II suit with the yeah. with all his, his VR equipment? And it's just brilliant. Yeah, and that's kind of him using his his, his mind as well. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think a lot of this is Tom Holland kind of doing the bumbling Peter Parker a little bit, you know, trying to fall in love, trying to get the girl, trying to live a normal life a little bit, kind of shying away from responsibility. But... Uh, you know, eventually you'll have to. He has to change, and that's the kind of moment, isn't it? That's the tipping point moment. But and it it may well be a turning point for Spider-Man the character because it's easy to forget that he is a, a basically a child genius. You know, you look at the the web formula that he uses. That um, Tony was quoted as saying I the don't... tensile strength is off the charts. He invented that when he was a fifteen-year-old in school. I don't think they've quite got him across that way because they, I they've not. Of... They've, Some they, of the criticism thrown a little bit is that, all right, he's incredibly likable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think what you could say about Mysterio was he wasn't full villain because he actually liked Peter. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. didn't want Peter to get hurt. There was a genuine, genuine sense of, look, kid, you know, I'm, I'm using you here, but I'm not trying to hurt you. Do you know what I mean? So it was different. Um, but and it, and obviously he's quite charming and quite funny and and it's got you know, a lot going for him and that's, you know, but he's not got that bumbling, what we're kind of used to that kind of Clark Kent guys, yeah. the, the, the classic, you know, and I think it's hard to get the balance right. I'm not, and I still think, like you said, he's probably the best combination of Peter and Spider-Man, like certainly that we've had. Um, Maguire just 
that's starting to go so badly wrong. <laughs> that third film, though, it's hard to remember. Maybe the good stuff a little Maguire bit. was a really good Spider-Man, but he was a crap Peter Parker. Just and arguably, arguably, um, oh, Garfield and Stone Garfield just got strung up for the wrong. They didn't have quite the right chemistry, and the the writing was wrong. The, the it was the writing that screwed them. But if you wanted to be critical, he was maybe he was a better Parker, but because he didn't have a good enough script, he wasn't as good as Spider Man. Whereas now, yeah, the writing and the casting, they finally got an all in one live action. Yeah, they've they've got the kind of right mix, Spider-Man. but I still think we haven't seen enough of his brain because obviously, yeah. he, and and they've done well in the sense that in Homecoming they he didn't. They didn't need Peter to 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 win that spelling or the the, the science contest, whatever you know the, the actual event thing they went to in Washington. The the spelling. So bit. yeah, whatever well, it was. I, well, I think this is actually going to be the point now where we will start to see more of him, and it'll be a case of like he's playing, you know, he's he's taking the breaks off himself, partly because of what Happy was saying. You know, you can't spend your life trying to be. Iron Man. Oh, well, he's, got he's never going to be Iron Man either because he's. I mean, for for one, he's he's skin. He's not. He's not got the whole background. He's not got the whole. The, um, you know, I don't know. He's not got the lab with all the tech. He's not got all this stuff. You know, he he was stealing or. or well, he was a he was dumpster diving, wasn't he? he used yeah, to that's what I was going to say. He was acquiring and... crap tech for VCRs, trying to make things of it, you know. But you it's... think now he's he's got inroads with Happy. He's probably going to have access. In well, a way. he's going to be an Avenger in a sense, isn't he? He's going to be involved. You would imagine. Yeah, potentially. Well, we'll we'll go on to talk about it because there's going to be a lot of, of twists and turns with what happens at the end of this film. But you know, briefly when we're talking about so Venice kind of set up, and it, it goes on from there where you know. Peter reluctantly is, is not wanting to be involved. Do you know what I mean? He gets handed Edith, which is the, the glasses with the tech um, and the, the access to the satellites and the drones and whatnot. Um, that Iron Man, you know, loosely gave out to whoever he wants, as, as Tony in Tony fashion would always do. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He always trusted him, but equally, it's it's a it's a brave decision. Um, and Peter's obviously very trusting as well, which is why he gives it to a relatively unknown stranger, uh, <laughs> which is quite a bold move and backfires, albeit kind of momentarily in the, in the film. Yeah, it does. Um, but so Nick Fury um, is the one that's kind of hijacking his summer vacation and um, needs him to be involved in, in all these things that are going on as the as the Avenger that's there, do you know what I mean? Where the rest of them are, there's there's hints, but it's not shown. Well, Thor, um, Thor's off-world, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Bigger what, fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. unavailable because she's off, presumably dealing with Kree and Skrulls and all yeah. the rest of the things. And Yeah, so he, he's like the, the designated Avenger, isn't he? He's he's basically the man on the ground, yeah. He's he's the one that's there. So he's he's you know, um, along with a lot of shield operatives, it would seem that all know who he is because he's not wearing his mask at yeah. any point. So about fifty people know who he actually is at, at one point in this film. So it's not the biggest secret anyway. Um, but the, the the big sequence for me, so that their relationship grows, um, and he trusts Mysterio to the point, you know, um. Quentin back uh, to the point of of giving him the glasses, and and he's finally got that tech in his his hands. But the, the sequence in Prague when they they do the molten man stuff, 
is great. I thought it was one of the better sequences out of the. I thought the water one's a tough fight to to pull off. I, I think the VFX were great um, still throughout the movie, but the, the Mortland Man stuff was great, that he was growing when he got close to metal. Yeah. And I thought they really did that effectively. Um, but it's when that's all happening and you've got Jake Gyllenhaal doing the whole motion capture thing and he's saying to the, you know, he's got, he's got multiple, he's like a businessman, isn't he? He's got multiple people on the line, do this, change drones, do that. But also, he keeps shouting to that woman to get his cape all yeah, lined out. Yeah, he, need, he needs his cape steaming for the, uh, exactly. the presentation, and and like that is him. You know, that's what he brought to the role as much as everything else. So you could get the guy in the bar having a drink, being that friend relationship that he's just got that charisma. But then you can get him being that kind of mechanical, maniacal, crazy guy that's that's doing all this. And he's he's it's just it's just genius the way they they played that out I thought was really good and that's when Jake really stepped up and that's that's what I loved that that, that, that that's why you film. hire someone like Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. for those moments isn't it because he can turn like like we said with the actors they've got the, the kind of one dimensional actors and and some of the shows that we we've both watched and stuff on TV are good but they don't you, actors don't have the range always do you know what I mean to turn it up and 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 change it up and I think what these films do so well is is they can deliver on emotional stuff we've said about Hemsworth a lot of times where he can suddenly switch from really yeah. comedic thought to really Deeply dark and tragic really emotional. and sad do you know what i mean and then like well, really you had that great scene in endgame didn't you when he's talking about you know how he's oh sorry no it was in infinity war when he's talking yeah. about how he he lost all his family and stuff and oh well he's never fought me yes he has oh well he, he's never fought me twice and <laughs> yeah and that's the thing these actors have, have really they get as much out of them you know it's the same with killmonger you know it's we said that before like they've really upped their villains i think in, in recent films but that was always um, a criticism wasn't it that pretty much since loki the villains yeah. have always been a bit of a step down but i'd I mean, say we talos was, again when he was in the villain form in captain marvel was a great yeah talos was, was great so hella yeah. was great i mean yeah. killmonger was like otherworldly great we were both just yeah, I, I thought he that. really brought it. Yeah, I thought he just. Oh, yeah, he, that's really. the best way to say it. he just brought it, and so did yeah. so did Jake. They they they've got somebody in who plays a villain who's very very full of bravado anyway, because he is he. Quentin Beck is a visual yeah. effects guy. He's a stuntman. He's all about the performance, and they needed to bring somebody in who had the bravado, who had the performance, who could carry a scene. You know, whether he was drinking a coffee or talking to a bar room full of people or whatever he was doing it needed to be somebody that could carry every single scene even just when he's um in the the, the base just speaking to samuel l jackson you know speaking to nick fury and, and just at home in that environment do you know what you i mean think, in, in the full out standing on a on a on a stage delivering a Shakespearean performance because he's putting that much soul into must admit, it. the outfit when he's wearing it is incredible oh, as well. And most of that is practical as well. It's not like yeah. a full mocap suit like um No, Tom even Holland the early wears. images you saw of it are, are just uh, as good almost. Basically, as a, a, everything apart from the helmet was real. And that just makes me love it even more. It would have been... It's easy. the same with the Captain Marvel stuff. They really upped the yeah. outfit in that one once they developed the right one. It, it, it would have been so much easier for them to just go, you know what, we'll mo-cap it. And then yeah. all they've done is they've dressed it up. They always dress it up with a little bit of shine and some extra lights and stuff. But he's walking around all day wearing the cape, the huge boots, the huge clunky armour. 
And that just adds to the realism because, of course, it is real. And that's yeah. what we want. We, uh, we, we love good VFX, don't we? But there oh, is yeah. no substitution for, for good practical effects. No, the costumes and the design and all that kind of stuff. And the practical effects don't fade. I mean, let's be honest. So the Matrix has got a re-release. It's 20 years old. And, and I still think it probably does look great. But it will have flaws now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they did things that were so clever in that film with the bullet time stuff and those multiple cameras and stuff like that. The, the bit where he fights look, all the Mr. Smiths. Yeah. It, that stuff's going to look aged quite quickly. Like yeah. we said, some of the Lord of the Rings stuff holds up really well, but some of it a little Scarily bit well. Yeah, some of it's scary good. Do you know what I mean? But you, the you practical think, stuff at it is going, scary good. was made like 18 years ago and it doesn't look... How old is the Dark Knight? Is the Dark Knight 10 years old now? Uh, or 11, maybe. I think it's 11, 12. Oh, 2008. Yeah. It was Iron Man year as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that is always going to hold up because it's all practical. It's That's yeah. what Nolan did, basically. Um, you know, the motorbike sequences, all that kind of stuff. It's, like, it's, I got it's... goosebumps when I did the Warner Brothers studio tour when I saw Christian Bale's actual Batman suit. Yeah, there's stuff like that. It, it's, it's Batman suit. It's not, you know, a one of many. That was the suit and he wore that for the majority of the stuff and it was specially made so that he could move and yeah it's just i I love that because that's real film history and i would say most of the stuff will hold up like endgame has got so much going on obviously the the portal sequence will hold up for a certain amount of years but then eventually you gotta wonder but it might just you know you don't know because the effort and work that's gone into these films is just groundbreaking yeah and i think the vfx work and we can talk about it now when peter kind of discovers he's given edith to the really wrong person he shouldn't have given it to and discovered that beck is actually a villain essentially um and using it for his own devices that bit in the berlin sequence when he is surrounded by all the, you know, it's just, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, the one thing that stood out more than anything else that you can't leave your brain is the, is the kind of Iron Man with the spider crawling out of him. Oh God. Um, yeah. Where he looked like a zombie and yeah, you had that was sequence. a brilliant bit that I, I read about it and it, it jogged a really good memory. One of the bits where, you see a load of statues and you've got all the dead people. You so you had uh, Black Widow, Iron Man, Captain America, Cap. and... Thor? Uh, there was a fourth person, someone else that had died. And then they all crumble down and you just see Mysterio. And that... Because I, I watched it. We, we paid for the good seats for this one. So me and Tom went IMAX 3D. And nice. that, that scene absolutely blew my mind that, it's, that is it's one about, of the most engrossing kind of visual scenes i can ever remember. i was going to say that's probably the best scene i've ever seen in 3d in terms of total immersion it did it wasn't running too fast you know where things go a little bit blurry yeah. and sort of blinking to try and keep up it was smooth and i was i was genuinely on the edge of my seat looking for every little background detail that it that was a masterpiece of a scene and i dread to think how much money that one scene cost of maybe a minute and a half two minutes something like that yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that's the sequence that took so much time, you can tell. I mean, there's so much that went into that sequence. I, I, astonishing amounts went into that sequence. And it's just it really stop It just folds in on itself and things oh, come out of the it, background. It felt so like Inception, Doctor Strange. It's like of, the Doctor everything. Strange thing when he, he, when he like travels through the world. amplified. It made me excited for Doctor Strange even, because if they put a lot of work into that, which I think they will and have yeah. done, it's going to well, be Well, they, they've got to now because Doctor Strange has established himself as such a huge character with Infinity yeah. War and, and Endgame. And we, we said as well that even the upgrades we got with Doctor Strange in Infinity War where he multiplied and all those kind of sequences yeah. were really cool. His like, powers really have well gone done. through the roof now. So the second one, he won't be the bumbling, oh, you know, I can't create a portal, I can't create a weapon other than these whips. He yeah. can do anything now there'll be more astral projection he can create you know giant versions of himself he can multiply he can do everything so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty special they're just raising their own bar again and again but the thing is every time they do it they kill it they they never raise the bar and then fail to meet the expectations on the next project they always just kill it and kill it and kill it so you know (laughs) It's not like you have to be worried about it, is you? You just go, yeah, it'll be another cracking film. It might not make, yeah. you know, one and a half billion dollars, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the thing. This brilliant. film, I think, is already nearly past a billion, hasn't it? It's only been out two and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, we should get to the one contentious issue, which is our on. overall feelings on it. Yeah, so I've skirted around this a little bit. I think once I watch it again, I might change my opinion and it might smooth out a little bit. I think that happened with Captain Marvel for me, where the first time when you watch a film, you're trying to take everything in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and with the Marvel film, obviously, very there's so much to take. There's in. a lot going on, and there's a lot to kind of comprehend. And I still kind of had a little bit of the end game head on my shoulders a little bit. I wasn't expecting an end game. Don't get me wrong. No. Um, but I think do you know what's kind of changed my viewpoint a little bit because of the incredible PS4 game that came out last year. I had so much fun swinging around New York, and I don't know. For me, that's the Spider-Man in my head, and it's the same with my, you know, with with um into the spider-verse which i self proclaim absolutely adore that film i think it's one of the finest films of the last few years in terms of what they've done and what they've created from an animation point of of view and i just maybe i didn't know what i was going to expect coming into this and maybe i just didn't really have i don't know normally we'd we'd have talked about it a bit and we've done previews and this and the other i just didn't really have a lot of expectations coming in and I kind of just left feeling like, yeah, it was good, but the best part about the film, bar the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, was the last five minutes. And that's fine, but then it made me wanting more of that. Yeah. And and it made me maybe want to go back and watch Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Verse. And, and I don't know. I, I, I just... The European stuff just doesn't feel... It didn't feel natural to where Spider-Man belongs. You feel like it just took you out of... It just took me out of yeah. a little bit of it. And I think the sequences, like I said, when it when it ramped up from Berlin onwards, I think it, it clicked. But I think that the stuff when they were kind of doing the road trip and when he, he accidentally brought the drone down to almost kill the guy on the bus didn't quite fit. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. And when he got went got changed in the toilet and the black Spider-Man outfit was given to him or whatever, drop your clothes and all that. I don't know. It it just some of the sequences just felt a little bit 
I don't know, it didn't fit that well with me. Like, and I think homecoming for me did. I had such a good time with homecoming. I, I thought the twist in the, the end of that one was great, but I thought it was a real good introduction to the character. And then that, I kind of felt like this one didn't quite know where they were going with Peter. I thought everything else around him worked really well. I just maybe didn't think the Peter element of it was the part they nailed the most, which might sound a bit harsh. It's just, he's obviously the key to it all, isn't he? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's a Spider-Man movie. So whereas Sendai was perfect and, and whereas the villain was perfect and I loved the kind of twist they did on, on Nick Fury and, and, and whatnot. And, and when you kind of think back, there was differences and that was really clever. Um, but the body part of it, him and Ned didn't get much time together. Um, and like you said, the, the science Peter, the, the Peter we kind of know and love is, is different now. And I think just adapting to that is, is quite, quite tricky. So yeah, it's not that I didn't enjoy it and it's not that I won't watch it again and it'll probably smooth out a little bit, but it, it just felt like a little bit of a stepping stone film. Whereas the, like I said, the last part of the film that the, you know, and post credit, you know, first post credit is, is where I felt like, oh Christ, this is what I wanted more of. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. to feel like that's that was that was the thing. I just felt like I wanted more of that, and I didn't get much of that in this film. So, yeah, it's it's. I've not got any major criticisms because Marvel make these films for fun. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't fun. I'm sure it was very stressful. Um, but I just don't rank it in the high tier that's all but then it's 23 films in now it's not going to be easy it's getting impossible isn't it to to write these things but what what you've said you know pretty fair and you know pretty i I think you just came out with it just really buzzing but i assume that was from the whole film not just that last sequence oh no that that, i i was buzzing from the the whole film start to finish I, i was just beside myself deliriously happy i i came straight out and as i was walking back to the um to the car i instantly said that's as good a live action spider-man film for me as spider-man 2 it's and that's still, a huge acclaim still like, my favorite spider-man film is into the spider-verse and it's just going to be so wow. hard to top that because into the spider-verse was about as enjoyable as a <sighs> film can ever be I I think you're right with that. I think Spider Verse. Uh, I watched that really early. I think I even got an advance on that one. For yeah, a I change, think which... you you went about a week and a half early because you yeah. went to one of those really advanced screenings because I hated you. Yeah, and it was just like, and I think because my expectations for that were, were were high, but not. It was so different. It, it's so different that film. Like the way it looks, the way it feels, the way the characters are portrayed. Well, everything, um, the fact that it was animated, it wasn't Peter Parker-centric, it wasn't in the main universe, it, was, it wasn't it was an MCU film, so tonally it was completely different. And it, it, and it had a little bit more heart than this did, yeah. a little bit, for me. I, I, I'm not saying this film isn't, it just, and I've got no, we, we've talked a lot about Tom Holland and, and how he's great, and I'm really pleased for him, because he loves it, do you know what I mean? You can genuinely feel that. And him and Jake had such a good time on tour. Oh the God, they're, they're like bromance 2019. <laughs> it's just so just fun watching them together. Watching them um, doing the press tours, you'd think they. He's like a big brother. Jake is acting like all their lives. Yeah, and and it is. You know, he plays it really well, and 
And I think those sequences, those short bits he had with MJ when they were kind of awkward, you know, those awkward romantic kind of keynotes are really well done. I just think there's not enough him and Aunt May. There's not enough, there's not enough of the Spider-Man stuff I recognize. And And I know they're trying to do different and I get why. But I think the third film, they'll nail it. I, I genuinely do. And I just think if you get the, the, the best bits about one and the best bits about two, and I think what we said in, in Homecoming is it really did lack a lot of action. That yeah. barely is any, actually, if you go back and watch that film. Um, there is the sequence on the ferry, but then that's not really an action sequence. You know, he's not fighting anyone. And even when he fights a vulture, it's not really, a, it's not a typically... And Even that's going like back to the right at the end. Spider-Man. That's like ninety percent of the way through the film, really. Exactly, and it, it did lack a lot of that. Um, whereas this film was was, I think they really worked exceptionally well on the action sequences, um, and and they kind of upped the game. That the sequence in London with the drones, I mean, was was incredible. Do you know what I mean? They really played that out so so well and that he, he he nailed the superhero landing there was one great superhero <laughs> yeah. landing in that that moment you could hear um, deadpool in the background couldn't you go oh you've got to do it he's got to do it <laughs> so they they did get a lot of those things right but i like i said i just didn't think europe quite maybe for as much of the film didn't quite fit i think if it had been europe for a an hour and then they've gone back to New York and, and maybe done the reveal. I, I don't know. They, they, I know I've read and, and heard they toyed around when they do the reveal and, you know, and whatnot. And I think, I don't know, it, it, it didn't hundred percent work for me, but again, like I said, you know, not hundred percent working is still probably a seven, seven out of 10. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's not, it's not like they ever drop, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp, we, I think we both probably, you know, gave it around that. And, and it's, it's not like it's it, what we've said, isn't it? When films, be, you know. Because of the momentum they've got behind them, even though it's not a Marvel film completely, it's still got that Marvel DNA running through it. And yeah. generally when, when their films are good, they're fantastic. But when they're not fantastic, they're still pretty damn good, pretty enjoyable. Lots of heart, good writing. I'm going to sound like one of these guys, but I think there's probably another cut of this film as well, to be honest. Release the Schneider cut. I I, I think there might have been more that they filmed and a lot more that went on um, because some of it didn't quite feel that smooth, you know, that it suddenly gets dropped in Holland and and that sequence. And, you know, it, it just felt it jumped around quite a lot and it didn't always feel like it quite fit. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I know these things are so hard to get right. But I thought the the comedy moments when when they nailed them were great. I thought that some of the side characters were really good, and they did nail the villain. I just I was most excited probably by that sequence in New York at the end. That's the thing, but it, that really got me got me going because you just had Spider Man in his element swinging around, and it was such a clever take on it. Where it's and him that and was MJ. one of the scenes. That was one of the first behind the scenes um, pictures that we got, wasn't it? The bit where he's sort of we didn't know if he was picking her up or dropping her off, but he was yeah. wearing that red and black suit, and people were saying, "Well, does MJ know that it's Peter, or is he just saved saved her from from being mugged or something?" and it, it it was a weird one, but 
that was brilliant to see the joy on his face and the compared to the, fear. the abject fear and terror. And that's on what hers. you would feel. I mean, he even dropped her at one point. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what you would feel. With you know, he's not exactly because he plays it so well. Actually, Tom Holland, he, he plays like a kid that would fall over by accident at times, and that is the Peter element of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's he's in complete control. The guy's Spider Man, but he's still a bit spider. of a goof. He's a bit of a goof and he's a bit clumsy. And he and he does when he gets that part right, it does fit. Um but it is funny because yeah, she is literally fearing for her life and he's thinking he's doing the coolest, most romantic kind of look. She'll love this. It's like it's like Superman flying Lois up into into the sky yeah. kind of feeling. <laughs> and it's not that at all, mate. It's really not. It's literally being dangled around on a She's bungee brown string. trousered away all around Manhattan. Exactly, exactly. And and Zendaya's a cool person, so you you know, she doesn't scare easy, MJ. She's and, she's and her stock cool is just on the up and up. Yeah, I mean Zendaya. she's 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 uh, everyone's probably favourite around at the minute for oh, she, signing she's on. Brilliant and yeah. I'm officially in love with her now. She she is cool. Uh, all the cast, like I said, uh, really good. Um, I would maybe hope uh, now they're back in New York to to get a little bit more Aunt May. I mean, well, it's we, going to be interesting now because we've obviously got to specifically talk about that final scene. We will. Yeah. We've got quite a lot of questions as well. So I think should we hit the questions and then we'll 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 end on the uh, the incredible. Um, yeah, Jenna. go on then. Yeah. So, uh, Connor who is part of the First Take podcast. A um, couple of uh, people I know I listen to our podcast really good. Um, he went to see it today, um, said it was awesome. How do you guys like Mysterio? Um, we clearly loved him. Um, we've said that all through the podcast. And if you had to pick the next villain for Spidey up to go against, who have you got? So the one they haven't done for the Sinister Six, uh, Sinister Six is... Uh, Craven, mm. uh, but I don't think that would work in the next movie. Because... The thing is, it would be easier for him to do that because when you think Craven, you want to see Craven's last hunt, which is the one where he actually kills Spider Man. And I yeah. would rather that they kept Craven back for Craven's last hunt, and they're not going to do that now with a 16 year old Spider Man. It's too no, early. exactly. The yeah, logical exactly. one seems to be Hobgoblin because they, they don't yeah. want to reuse Green Goblin because it's already been done and done very, very well. Yeah, the Green Green Goblin was great, and obviously Doctor Octopus is is the most iconic villain uh, that they've used. It or the way they used it was just incredible. Yeah, with Alf, Alf um, Molina's performance. Yeah, just it's just it's just stunning. Uh, it's in, exceptional. Um, Kingpin. I I, I, mean, I only want them to do Kingpin if it's uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. If it's not Vincent yeah, no, D'Onofrio, I, I don't want it. <laughs> No, I agree. But and I, and I, he's I, all for it. People are always asking him on Twitter oh, and he says, God, I would love that you could get some Charlie Cox in as well. Jesus Christ, you can get some Daredevil in there, which would just be... I, I would need like surgery to recover from how much I would shit myself if that ever happened. D'Onofrio, I mean, we, we love Daredevil, obviously. We talked about it at length and he is, he is amazing. He wouldn't have to necessarily be the main villain, but he could be... He'd just be the string puller. He'd be the, he'd be he like the, the string the puller, yeah. He'd be the one that yeah. orchestrates something. Ideally, you could have him in head in a Sinister Six film. You know, well, Sinister Six. I mean, together. obviously, Mysterio is off off the record as such, but you don't know how they could pick that up in some ways. But who are the other ones in there? So you've got Vulture and Scorpion, uh, um, Rhino. You could have Chameleon, 
who is uh, distantly related to Craven the Hunter. Yeah, um, it's interesting. How there's been a couple use... of different iterations that they could use, but the... we've always said Spider-Man as well has got uh, not quite the Batman collection but, of, of. Well, we, of we did a series of polls and we came out with yeah. Spider-Man was second only to Batman. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That that is no that is no small achievement. You know, mo- most um, people who are casual fans of Spider-Man could probably name five of his biggest villains off the top of their heads without even thinking about it. Yeah, and the Venom thing won't come into it because I, I just they, they might do a Sony. They, they will do eventually, happen. but not now. He's too important to the MCU to have a a drastic yeah, exactly. tonal change where he'd have to. I, I would say as well thing. the other thing we we've mentioned, which I haven't really talked about, is for a lot of the first film and, and some of this, he's feeling a little bit like Iron Man light, and I think what they did towards the end was get away from that a little bit. And that felt like he was more himself than Spider-Man. And I know that's all purposeful, but I think, you know, it's good to get away from that. I think he's not all tech. Do you know what I mean? And and he wanted to shed that baggage, but then it kind of came back to him in the iron spider suit. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, And I think Spider-Man is better without the, the, the tech. Do you know what I mean? I think he's better when he's himself. So, um, it's, it's interesting how that played out in the film, but I think we have probably moved away from that. Um, and, and I think the MCU is slowly moving away from, from Iron Man and, and obviously Captain America and the others, which, again, it might need to do. Do you know what I mean? There's a big shadow there from what's been left before, but I think they are looking for a fresh kind of clean start. So it, and that and all starts a big with part Spider-Man. Exactly. Um, Irish Nev, good friend of ours, Stephen Neville. Uh, just an observation more than a question. Really enjoyed it, all my all movies. Uh, just felt there was lacked something extra. The first one post-Endgame was always going to be tough. Um, that That's something that a lot of people have said, that this was the unenviable task of having to follow you can't the, follow it. the yeah. film. So whatever they did was always going to be... I still think it's a good Lacking. summer movie. It's a good Marvel summer movie. Yeah. I don't think it quite reaches the heights I wanted it to. Obviously, for you, I had a slightly different experience. I'm not, like I said, I'll happily watch it again. And, and it's like Captain Marvel. It's one of those films that I'll watch. Um, but it just, it's hard, man. After Infinity War and Endgame, they raised the gravitas. They had six hours worth of huge scale all the heroes, all the emotion, all the everything. It's it's going to be tough. It's yeah. it's always going to be tough. No, that, that's uh, all fair comment, really. Uh, Pete Goodridge, where does it rank in your Marvel lineup? I absolutely loved it. Top five for sure. Fucking hell. Okay, we haven't done a Marvel lineup for a long time. We will maybe come back to doing one at some stage, but I can't rank this until... I need to see Endgame again and i need to see captain marvel and this again and then i might do a revised lineup but it doesn't break my top 10 i'll be honest not top five possibly top eight ten. nine seven, yeah it, 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 it was lines. top 10 it would be the lower portion because my top five is pretty much cast in stone now with infinity war endgame civil war winter soldier and ragnarok it, it's going to be so hard for anything to beat them yeah, it is. It is. It's really difficult. Um, I love Doctor Strange as well. I've really got a soft spot for that film. And, that, and then the original Iron Man. Oh my God, there's too much. Um, Tom Holmes, uh, a regular chatter of ours. Um, always, a, he's, he knows a lot of good shit, this guy. Yeah. Um, 
I'm curious if you guys were happy with Aunt May in the film or disappointed that nothing tangible came out of the reveal at the end of Homecoming. I think we talked a bit about that on the podcast. Um, I just would have liked a little bit more of her. I don't think she got enough to do. Is it Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei. I mean, she's great. And, and, and she was great in it, but she's just not in it enough. Um, so hopefully in the next film, you know, I think the emotional sequences where, where Peter really has to unburden himself a little bit would probably be best with her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or Ned. And I just don't know if we got much of that in this. No. You know, MJ's obviously come to the fore a little bit, but he was we, there we leaning, on, he was leaning on Mysterio a little bit as well yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a kind of my father figure's gone, so who will I latch on to? And I get that, but it just I felt think a like... lot of it, he, he had a lot of those emotional scenes and he was just stuck on his own, wasn't he? Like he was yeah. morning on the rooftops looking at all the graffiti and everywhere he went. He just he's a bit a isolated. Shadow. Yeah, it was just a little bit like, yeah, I would have liked more. And and I think next film we will get more. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, that, that reveal. 72, Mark McManus. Uh, thought it was a bit weak when Peter asked Nick about getting Thor, Strange, etc. He just replied they weren't available without an explanation given. Uh, when every superhero and his dog was available in Infinity War and Endgame. Again, we kind of touched on that. Um, you know, the threats to the world. I mean, even Nick Nick Fury's not taking it seriously because it's not him. <laughs> he yeah. didn't even send himself. Um, it's a little bit like when Iron Man sends the suit without him being there when he's in India in the first film. Do you know what I mean? It's He's not necessarily taking it seriously as a threat because... He knows the real threat. Thanos was a much bigger, obviously huge threat. And he knows the cosmic entities. And we'll talk about that in a second in terms of the second well, post-credit. Well, that's but... the thing with, with stuff like Thor. You've got to keep in mind that Thor isn't a human. Thor does not have to be in and around Earth to fix all of our problems. Yeah. He's got all the stuff And also... To do. If someone else was available, it wouldn't really be a Spidey movie. <laughs> yeah. It'd be Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And I don't think... Which would be a great crossover because they do cross true. over in the comics with them just yeah. being both New York-based. Yeah, I, I, I do want a New York superhero film. I, I, want, I want one in, in the future, even if it's in the next 10 years, where we start getting Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and even some of the Defenders characters. Oh, do you know what? If they nail York, Fantastic Four, it could be incredible, you know. I mean, it that, really that could. could be, Fantastic Four could be the thing which really kickstarts yeah. Phase 4 or 5, because then you're talking the big the big hitters coming in. Yeah, and you are. That, that would just be unreal. Um, it's tough to answer that question, but yeah, I think we'll we'll see what happens in the future. We'll, we'll get more Spidey crossovers with other superheroes and whatnot. Um, also, Pete Goodridge, uh, the construction board at the end in front of the Grand Central Station that read, we can't wait to show you what's next. Movie was a great segue between old and new, then the post credit scene. What do you think? Uh, what is next, do you think? Uh, we will talk about what is next briefly um in a second because how long have we been in this podcast Jesus um Christ. nearly an hour and a half fucking hell we're, going... we're not even do you know what the thing is with these they're so big these films and, and obviously we did talk for about 40 minutes about marvel um and <laughs> comic con even though we'll probably do a comic con podcast um 
but it, it's it's difficult because there's so much to discuss when you're talking two hours, ten minutes worth it's of not film. Our fault. And the gravitation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk the first post credit. Oh my god. Um, so as we mentioned, and it is bold this because it had the big reveal in a post credit scene. Now we've said for a long time. You know, if you don't stay till the post credit scenes, what the hell are you doing? Go to a Marvel film. But it's still to do it at the post credit, it's quite a shock. No, so the first film, Homecoming, left. it was the what the F moment when she finds out he's Spider Man, yeah. you know, Aunt May. And, I, and it was the same kind of thing, but it was post credit. So it was quite a surprise that they did that. Because um, some people, and I won't name names um, or call them rude things, but some people might. might have left. Um, some idiots might have left the cinema at the point of, of one of the biggest reveals post-credit or I mean, the that, biggest post-credit right sequence. In yeah. terms of anything that's ever happened in the MCU, that's up there with the first time you saw Nick Fury and he says, you know, he wants to talk to him about the Avengers initiative. And yeah. that that is right up there. And in terms of what it means going forward, this is huge. You've got 16-year-old Peter Parker is now about to start one of the biggest Spider-Man tropes of all time of being constantly hounded by uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, I could not you know be what? more happy that they've brought back J.K. Simmons. And he's now become is a legend. And he's now become, like, like what's-his-face, the big racist knobhead that does InfoWars because he's now going to be like a blogger and he was like that in the PS, PS4 game you know where he's got like a podcast and he's yeah. doing the kind of and that's what they've, they've played him out in a kind of modern way but I mean J.K. Simmons isn't the same guy that the uh, same actor you know in, in a lot of ways he's, his career's gone crazy in the last few years obviously won an Oscar for Whiplash which is exceptional and he's he's just really kicked on so to bring him back He's just, they couldn't have brought anyone else. No one else could fit that role. No. Do you know what I mean? He, and he's I, J. Jonah Jameson. And no one else it just couldn't do it. I, I just, I couldn't see anyone else doing it. And he's such a beloved character, being such an utterly brilliant bellend in those first films. And, and he's got um, such good gifts that came out the first few films. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, he, he became it's a meme, fantastic. didn't he, with that one where he's leaning oh, yeah. back with the big cheesy grin. Not many people yeah. get iconic memes made off he is he is iconic and and so for him to do not only the reveal that um you know the the drone was basically recaptured by the guy from iron man one i think and they they basically you know cut the footage made it look like peter killed um the hero mysterio and and wanted to kill everyone basically and you know committed murder and the rest of it um and also revealed his identity. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. We've never had a Peter reveal publicly, have we, in any kind of way, shape or form before? He's always been um, the must. Well, he, he revealed himself during Civil War. The uh, the comic Civil War, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. not the film. But it, it's, pretty, it's pretty uncommon generally for superhero things on the whole to have anything like this happen. So it, especially, especially for the ones that are always kid. masked. Obviously, we had the classic "I am Iron Man." You know, that's the yeah. ego of Robert Downey. That's the, the ego of of Tony Stark. But um, you know, and 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 it's different with the other characters. And obviously, you know, the the Wakanda element, the things where it's it's quickly known that it's not a secret that the 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 prince or 
soon to be king of, of Wakanda is, is Black Panther and it's different with some of those but you, you are, your real ones like Batman's and your Spider-Man's never get revealed you know what I mean they just don't um, so it really puts Peter in this incredibly difficult position going into the next film I mean I've heard a couple of interesting theories that they could throw Spider-Man alongside a scroll looking like Peter Parker. Yeah. And they could, you know, do things like that if they wanted to get out that of would it. Be but... so, that would be a brilliant way of getting Talos back in. Oh, Talos is great. That would be we will talk so about Talos good. in a second because that's the post, second post, post credit. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. I thought the whole sequence in New York was in, uh, incredible. Um, but that was such a bold thing to do. It and was. it just sets up this perfect third film because it, it's back in New York. It's what I really want. But it's Peter in a position we've never seen him in. Do you know what I mean? And, and I just don't and know. And it's what's now gonna definitely going to bring in a lot more Aunt May because, of course, anyone that knows him now knows her and it's the the age-old risk of this is why you keep your identity secret because now she's got a big old target on her head as much as i don't like flash i must admit he's a really annoying character really annoying character but i do want to see what happens with flash because now he's found out that the kid that he always bullies at school is 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 like favorite superhero Um, well with comic book flash i mean ignoring the whole agent venom thing eventually when he finds out that peter is spider-man he, he gains so much more respect for him, and it, they just, end up they end up becoming such good friends. He's just annoying in this. I must he is. They, they've yeah. dialed it up and they've gone for a real like full on mega tool version of him. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mega tool version. I must right. admit, I could do without this incarnation of Flash, to be honest. I just don't think he quite fits the tone sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't I said, be disappointed if somebody was trying to shoot Spider-Man and accidentally shot Flash. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go along with that. Um, oh, just seeing what Ned looks like in in real life. He's such a legend. Um, <laughs> um, let's talk about. So Nick Fury wasn't Nick Fury. Yeah, and so Maria it was Hill and his wife. Maria Hill, again, was criminally underused. Poor Kobe Smulders and uh, uh, probably eight film deal where she gets a total of 12 minutes screen time. Or 12 January. <sighs> She's good as well, man. Yeah. We really like her. We really like her. Well, we, we, we've said in some of our older issues, uh, older episodes <clears throat> around, you know, in various different platforms that it speaks volumes that she is Fury's go-to person because yeah. he does not trust people very easily. And the fact that no. she's always the one that he calls, like when when he died, in inverted commas, it was her that he called to reveal his plan to. And between her and um, Romanov, they were really, they were his most trusted people. And yeah, but of course we now realise it wasn't her, no, it was Talos and his wife. And I think, have we seen it? Uh, we've only seen it once each. I think you didn't get to see it second No, time we, our, our plans to go and see it again got, squished unfortunately but it's one of those that i think if you watch it again i mean i think when you think back there are certain elements of it i i I, I watched the video that did some good detail and and if you go back to captain did he say it's their world or something in one of the he said it's your world not our world yeah and at one point he um hill refers to him as nick you know when they first go to mexico and what does he say in captain marvel 
everyone calls me Fury, not Nick, not Nicholas, exactly. not Mr. Fury. So they, they subtly dropped a few hints, but yeah. I think because it was everyone's I, I eyes were on notice. the Mysterio prize, you know, it was tricky. I did actually notice in the trailers, and I'm not just saying this, the bit that he said, your world, and I never okay. thought anything of it. Uh, because I yeah. never thought for one second that they would do something like, it's a robot, it's a hologram, it's a scroll. I just thought, I don't know, maybe because Fury it's going to be interesting with the part of the world. I, I don't think they were ever like permanently scrolls. Do you know? What I mean? It's not going to have been obviously Nick yeah. Fury, but Maria Hill would, you know, never have been. She's, you know, Maria Hill. But um, it'll just have been that they've been doing it for a couple of weeks or something, and we realise now, even though they didn't explicitly say it. That yeah. base that Fury was on. Nick Fury wasn't on holiday, and that was a clever, a clever bait and switch as well, where it looks yeah. like he's on a holiday and he's got his sunglasses, and it's just a kind of like a clever kind of screen, basically. Um, well, the base that he's on, he's on what they called the sword base. Shield was the protection of the earth. Nice. Sword is what they called it when it went to more cosmic things, and he's obviously like overseeing the formation of this base, which also means he's been in touch with. Talos for 20 years because obviously Captain yeah. Marvel is the 90s so it's it's clever how they can then open that up to this is what's been happening on Earth but I haven't really told you this is what's happening in space do you know what I mean so it's it's so much more opportunity for them to, to do things um, and they can hint about the Guardians of the Galaxy because again he wasn't involved in Infinity War where Quill you know and, and whatnot. so it's going to be cool how much he actually knows and how much yeah. he's let on to everyone because he does keep his secrets close to his chest oh, on yeah. the most part. So I thought that was great. Um, I still think he probably had the best line in the film, which is, uh, bitch, bitch please, you've been in space. <laughs> so that was brilliant. I'm sad that I was in a trailer because I think that would have worked even better without yeah. it being revealed. Um, we, we had some moments during this where the whole cinema was just erupted in laughter. There was some great moments. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There were some great moments. There were some really good lines. Um, it, it, You know, as I said, I don't know, there was a few slapstick stuff. Uh, Martin Starr, who plays Mr. Honington or Huntington, the, the really bad teacher. Obviously, both teachers were really funny as well. The guy who played Mr. Dell or something. They, they were both great together. But the moment when he drops his camera in the, the in Venice and just the slapstick kind of stuff, I'm sure he mentions about not losing a child again. Yeah. He, he's obviously <laughs> said in Homecoming. Um, and obviously, it, he's just he plays it so well. Um, and there's some really good sub characters, some good lines. It, it's it's a well written film. Um, but yeah, those those post title sequences or post-credit sequences are just so good man. they, they, they are, are about as good as it gets really for the post yeah they, they were and they really give you a lot of content because like you know captain marvel you get a flirking chucking up the tesseract it's not exactly <laughs> oh, but you know, that's hilarious. Or, or homecoming you get the captain um, america kind of oh, i yeah. did miss the gym teacher a little bit though that would have been quite nice do you know the gym teacher from uh, homecoming yeah. was brilliant as well um uh, the line in Homecoming when he's talking about isn't he a fugitive um, now? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what's good about these films. They are small worldly. They don't, you know. I know the Europe thing was introduced to try and expand the horizons, but again, it's like Ant Man and the Wasp. It's not all about cosmic and and big battles. Sometimes you do need to keep things a little bit more grounded. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great film overall. I would say just. For me, not quite what I expected going in. Just, just I don't know. It, it's 
it, it's just not next level and Endgame obviously and Infinity War have raised the bar so high um, and I think Ragnarok was similar do you know what I mean and, and, and we've said a lot of great things about Black Panther um, I don't think I've gone back to that enough yet I think but I think what they're going to do with that going forward is going to be pretty exciting as well. So, yeah, especially now um, that we know that Kugler's on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They've got the right people in the right places again, as they yeah. always do. Um, so thanks for tuning in. If you got to the end of this podcast, well done. That is a massive victory because you've um, sustained an hour and 40 or so minutes with us. Uh, we hopefully will be back talking San Diego Comic Con because there is a lot that's coming out of that as we mentioned there'll be a lot of marvel news like actually official news finally yeah we, we should have um, some good trailers to uh to talk disney about. plus i don't think there'll be too much because the expo is d23 is out in august it's only in a few weeks time so you'll get a lot more of what's to come in disney in in that one on disney plus in particular and the star wars stuff but um but I'd say there's going to be a whole lot of good content coming out and some good TV stuff that's in the works. So it's going to be exciting. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you shortly and keep spreading the word. Keep listening. Mm-hmm.